Big Finish sales event is going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Power on into the new year with the strength of a new 2022 Bettenhausen Ram truck. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCTJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Uh, Brian, they, they are dying the River Green as we speak. The, Is it frozen? Uh, they're going to skate on it today. That, that's <laughs> and good news. You, you don't have to worry about keeping your beer cold while you're watching the, the parade. Right there in the green paint, uh, Eddie. Oh, not the blue paint. Yeah. That's uh, 15 degrees. What the heck is going on? Well, there, there's a little uh, shot of cold air up your kilt. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the Hawks could use a little luck of the Irish to help jumpstart this rebuild. Nine days to the NHL trade deadline. And, and the question really is, how active will Kyle Davidson be? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think he's going to be very active. And I, I, I know I think he's going to make a, a big headline grabbing splash trade. I really do. And it's not not that Brandon Hagel isn't that guy because he's he's obviously very sought after. I, I think there's a big move here to be made. And. I'm not sure what it is, uh, but I think it's going to be significant, and I think it needs to be. I I don't think he can work around the edges. You got to get going right now, and you got to start thinking big picture right now. So that's uh, leads to our Twitter poll. You know how many players are going to be dealt between now and the trade deadline, and we really haven't seen activity heat up around the league, and that's not unusual, right? It usually a few days before the deadline or deadline day itself. And sometimes it's the last hour, but basically, you know, what are you thinking? Zero to zero to four, zero to three, four to seven, or the third choice don't stop now. And of course, one Twitter uh, responder already said, "Where's the choice for don't care?" So yeah. some Hawks fans are just frustrated. That's, that's Sylvie. That that's that's Mark Silverman. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. The Twitter really handle is actually starts with skeptic. So I guess that's how you go through life. <laughs> Your calls at 312-332-3776. How active do you think Kyle Davidson will be? You think there is a, a big move to be made. The biggest chip, no question, is Marc-Andre Fleury. And I understand the agreement that Fleury made with Stan Bowman. And I, I totally respect Kyle for honoring that agreement. I mean, he's, he's a first-time general manager. You... Made a handshake deal, the previous regime, which you were a part of, with a future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest goalies of all time, that to come to Chicago, he was going to hold the cards on whether or not he was going to be dealt anywhere. He had a, a bad ending in Vegas, and he moved his family here in the offseason, got them set up, the kids in the schools, got off to a really rough start, as we all know. Anything that could go wrong did. And, you know, here we are with just a couple months to go in the season. He's having a, a, a great year in net, all things considered, and how things have gone around him. And as of now, 
he's trying to weigh the situation of whether or not he wants to go chase a fourth ring somewhere else. He already kind of tipped his hand saying that I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Blackhawks next year. He's 37 years of age. He says he has at least one year left in him, maybe a couple. Uh, I don't, he said winning in that press conference about three times in five minutes. That's what this team's not going to do a lot of that over the next couple of years, at least not enough to get them in position to make a run at the Stanley cup. And that's something that Flurry wants to do. So the question is, over the next nine days, does a team that intrigues Marc-Andre Fleury come to Kyle Davidson and say, we're going to give you a one, a future third, and this prospect for one of the best goalies to ever play? And, I, you know, the, the teams that have been floated so far, there's a lot of them that, that that Fleury probably has a hang-up about. Washington, having been uh, a, a staple in Pittsburgh for so many years, does he want to go to uh, one of the Penguins' rivals in Washington? Obviously, there's an opening in Vegas right now with Robin Leonard's uh, medical situation uncertain right now. Uh, but I don't think he's going to go back there because of the way that divorce ended. It, it was ugly. He he was told by the owner that he would never be traded, and he was moved, and he found out via social media. So, and then people look at Edmonton and they look at Toronto, and I don't I don't know if if Mark Andre Fleury necessarily wants to go north of the border and deal with uh, some of the protocols for COVID and things that he might have to go through especially dealing with his family back here in Chicago. So there's a lot of, lot of uh, balls in the air when it comes to dealing with Flurry, but there's no question, Brian, the biggest trade chip for the Blackhawks. And while I respect the heck out of Kyle for, again, honoring the agreement that was made, it would really, it, it, would, it would hurt this franchise to not be able to play that chip. No doubt about it, Pat. And I was just about to ask you because, look, uh, an agreement is agreement. You like to, you know, live by uh, honoring your word. But when the owner just in Vegas said, you know, I'm not, you're not going anywhere, and then you're going somewhere, is that going to damage the the Golden Knights moving forward? I mean, I get that scenario where players would say, well, I'm not going there because you know they they don't treat their players correctly. Well, I think it comes down to how much you're paying the player. And how good the destination is. I don't know. I mean, I hope Kyle Davidson, you know, is going to honor that because he thinks it's the right thing to do. But when you're looking at just the product on the ice and the organizational needs, you might just go, it might, you know, it's, you might have to say, I, you know, I love you, uh, Flower, but guess what? Give me that list of 10 places you don't want to go. And um, we'll work from there. And I'll try to get your landing spot. But I don't believe the, the Golden Knights are going to suffer any any damage because of what they did to Marc-Andre Fleury. I think people, you know, players, like everyone else, it's where's mine and, and how do I how to take care of me and I'm going to get what I can get and I want to go play hockey in, in the city. And so far, Golden or Vegas is a very, uh, very viable destination for players. So they, they want to be part of that. Well, you look at it from Kyle's perspective. He's 33 years of age. He's the youngest general manager in the National Hockey League. 
this is obviously his first bite at the apple. I, I, I think it's important for him to, um, you know, t- to not have any naysayers that are, are questioning how he does business. And so, you know, I think it's all the more reason why you are going to honor the agreement that was set forth. And, you know, Mark Andre Fleury has a very vocal agent in Alan Walsh. And if you, if you, um, if you go against, you know, Fleury here and, and deal him against his wishes, I, I think it would just poison the waters dealing with free agents down the road. Um, it, it's, it's probably just not worth the, uh, the headache that you would create. Uh, even, even, Even if, if you're going to get a first, a third, and a prospect, I'm, I mean, if you're look, getting I know, I, I, well, I know, I know, yeah, I know. It's, it's. I mean, there wow. is, there's no question. Moving him is in the best interest of the franchise, but I, you know, you and I are talking about it from a uh, from a fantasy perspective, as if we're just moving chips. Uh, I, I'm texting you and saying, uh, let's uh, trade this player for that player, and we go about it. You know. Kyle Davidson's dealing in reality. He's dealing in relationships uh, for the rest of his professional career. And, and that, that's where the rub is right now. Ian, I get it. I really do understand it. But times change. Uh, front offices change. Uh, situations change. When they, when they made that trade, they changed their direction. They were going to be a playoff team, right? It didn't work out that way. They had to talk Andre Fleury into to get, you know, not retiring and, and coming here. And, you know, so the players all got in his ear and he liked what he heard. I get it. But he certainly has to understand how the season's played out and where the the team is, the organization, what they've gone through, what they, they you know, we're now in a full rebuild. I mean, there's no, it's not Jed Hoyer saying don't use that word. It's Kyle Davidson just not putting a timeline on that word. I I mean, I hear, I hear in a perfect world, you, you honor said agreement but again my argument would be vegas isn't going to get any blowback for what they do to mark andre Fleury, and chicago when they're when the hawks are a winning team it's a hell of a destination for pretty much every player in the league well i'll tell you what the blowback is they've got they went all in okay they went and got jack eichel they're 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 trying to win a stanley cup and there's some thought that robin leonard's lower body injury could be they're saying it's not season-ending, but but there there are rumors and and whispers that it could be. Um, he's got a shoulder too, right? Yeah, and he's got a shoulder issue. The damage is that you have poisoned the water so much with Mark Andre Fleury that even though he's beloved in that town and he loved that city and he brought professional sports to Las Vegas, he's not willing to go back there. So yes, you did, you know. If that's the best option available for them and he won't come back because of the way you treated him, then how you did business did affect, did, did affect your franchise. Your yeah, thoughts, 312-332-3776. Do you, do you agree with the way the Blackhawks are honoring Marc-Andre Fleury's uh, handshake agreement with Stan Bowman in the previous regime? Again, you have to factor in that Kyle was also – a part of hockey ops at that time. So he, he was a part of the organization when that agreement was made. And, uh, you know, you're basically just give us your thoughts. Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. And I know what you're, you're probably looking about what Ryan Poles is doing at Hallis hall. And you're saying now that's, he's doing, he's clearing the decks, right? He's not worried about 
uh, what happened with Ryan Pace and the commitment he made to and, and, Khalil Mack and, right. well, and all the make, things. Um, he didn't make a handshake agreement. I mean, he just you know he just gave the farm up to trade for him, and then he gave him the highest paid defensive player in the league. So, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, I get it. I mean, I understand feelings and families and everything else. He's making what seven million dollars or whatever. He's got. He probably still has his home in Vegas, right? I mean. It's not like you're asking a guy who's making $40,000 a year to leave his family for four months to go, you know, try to get clients for whatever firm he's working for. I mean, this is professional sports, and it's a bottom-line business. And Stan Bowman was the GM at the time. Well, I don't know how much Kyle Davidson's had. I think he's even kind of danced around that, hasn't he, whether whether or not that there is a set agreement? I, I don't know. But I'm just saying, if someone picked up the phone and offered you what you just put on the table, whew, I, I, you know, maybe Mark Andre Fleury would leave town cursing me. But three, <laughs> three, three or four years down the line, that first, that third, and that prospect might be a hell of a foundation for a Stanley Cup parade. At the bottom of the hour, Frank Cervalli from the Daily Faceoff will join us. Uh, he has been the one that's been breaking. Uh, Blackhawk stories left and right uh, the last couple of months. We'll get his thoughts on the uh, the trade rumor mill. Uh, and also, on the other side, we'll, we'll discuss some of the players that Kyle Davidson, beyond Marc-Andre Fleury, could be considering to move between now and March 21st. Could that be Dylan Strome? Uh, you know, could it be someone like Ryan Carpenter? Uh, we'll get into the possible trade rumors and what's going on with this Blackhawks team with nine days to go before the NHL trade deadline. It's all coming up on the Hockey Show. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle. We're back on ESPN 1000 after this. You're listening to the Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Interesting week for the Blackhawks on uh, Tuesday. They have that huge win over the Anaheim Ducks, 8-3. Patrick Kane with his first ever six-point game. And Dylan Strome picked up his uh, second career hat trick. Uh, For Patrick Kane to be in his 15th season... And be doing things for the first time, it, it, it's it's pretty incredible, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, he ties Bobby Hall for points now, second all time on the Hawks list with eleven hundred fifty three points. And um, you know, does he have another five years in him? Eight years? Three years? Whatever it is, but to to see, I know Bobby Hall, you know brings a lot of emotions to a lot of people. <laughs> Pulley never wanted him around the, the, the United Center back in the day to the point where the night they were going to sign uh, Brett Hall, Pulley was doing everything possible not not to, to have Brett Hall come in. And then Brett Hall blew off the meeting with Bill Wirtz and then come in and kiss the ring. And that got you Doug Gilmore on a very expensive contract. But Patrick Kane is unbelievable. And 
you know, again, I'd love to see more goals and assists, but so far he's helped uh, uh, Alex, Alex Dabrinkit to become a superstar or, or on his way to become a superstar. With an assist from Tyler Aki, let's uh, listen into a little bit of the record-setting night for Patrick Kane on Tuesday against the Ducks. Looking for help, leaving for the cat. Likes to bring it to the middle for Kane. Kicks to the stick, shooting his goal! Patrick Kane set up by Alex to bring it, each with three points already tonight. Terry couldn't pick it up. It's tapped in. Here comes Kane, looking to center. Let's go! Kane to Strome. Five points for 88. And now it's 7-3. Kane's got Strom right to the goal. He scores! Six points for Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom with a hat trick. From one Hall of Famer to another, that was Pat Foley on the call Tuesday night on NBC Sports Chicago. How amazing has that line been of DeBrinckit, Strom, and Kane? All three right now are on a five-game point streak. Strom has 10 points over his last five games, six goals and four helpers. Hagel, uh, he's been on a tear. I think he's got 10 points over his last five. He's, he's up to 20 goals on the season, um, and he's on pace for 30. But you look back to that line of, of Debrinket, Strom, and Patrick Kane. They were put together three games ago, and uh, they've been as advertised. There's... And these guys, these guys have always shown chemistry together, Brian, but I don't know if all three have been playing this well at the same time. And what does that mean for Dylan Strom? I mean, from doghouse to, you know, press box to now the top line and, and being part of the scoring machine, does that make you want to keep him for the long term? Does that I mean, certainly increases his trade value? Um, th- does that speak to the player that, that he has to have that kind of, uh, great talent around him, or is it just he's finally got an op- opportunity? And he's feeling comfortable, and I know Derek King said, you know, that he wanted to have two pretty good lines instead of three average or below average lines. So you know, he settled on these three for the top line. But I don't know what that says uh, moving forward for Dylan Strome. Was he mishandled, and did he just get in a funk, or does he really need that kind of you know uh, those kind of line mates to to operate at his best? Well, he just turned 25 this week. Um, you know, he's a former third overall pick. When he first came here from Arizona, he was over a 50-game stretch. He was a point-per-game player. He was playing a lot with Alex Dabrinkit at that time, and some of it was with Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, there has been question about him being a one-dimensional player and not as responsible on the defensive side. He's clearly a top six centerman. That's where he thrives the best. He, he plays at his best and produces the most when he's out there with skilled players. But it's a very valid point you make. When you decide his future, you almost have to put him on a line and say, am I going to have, in this case, Patrick Kane here for the foreseeable future? You're, you know you're going to have Alex it. And am I going to keep him with you know these two players and, and am I able to move him uh, throughout the lineup? The answer so far in his time in Chicago is, you know, he's not a, he's not a bottom six centerman. And you, you begin to look. You've got Taves in the fold for at least another year. Kirby Doc, you know, Kirby Doc says he's a center, wants to be a center. That's the only position he's played uh, his entire hockey career. Uh, but because of his lack of success at the, uh, at the faceoff dot, 
he was moved to wing this week. So you've got Reichel coming in possibly next year as well. Uh, he's penciled in to be a, a, a top six centerman. So, you know, where is the chair for Dylan Strom long term? And let's be honest, his stock is never going to be higher than it is right now, Brian. Correct. And, and I don't know, you know, if he's a one for one trade or you throw him into increase the uh, the package to get more assets back. But, or again, maybe it, it's, the stock certainly has risen, but maybe it hasn't risen enough around the league. And maybe GMs are asking themselves that same question about what kind of player is he? Does he need to have the perfect situation to, to go ahead and, and produce? And can you afford to, that type of player? And what do you give up for that type of player versus a guy you can throw in, you know, in a couple different situations and, and get the same results? You know, so Doc said this week when, when he asked whether or not, you know, he was okay with the move to to wing, he, he talked about being a centerman. He just said, I've always played center. I've always thought of myself as a center. I think my skating allows me to be a good center. And, you know, he was asked whether or not we're making too much of his you – know, he's an NHL worst 33%. Uh, face-off win percentage and uh, you know clearly you want to start with the puck yeah there are some studies out there that show that uh, this is a a statistic that we might be making too much of and it doesn't necessarily have the impact on games that you think it might have Uh, but right now you know Doc is on the wing with Taves and Brandon Hagel and, you know, the, the, the other question that's really going to be, I think, for the offseason for Kyle Davidson, it, and Kane and Taves have already been asked about the rebuild, but, you know, what is their appetite for being a part of a rebuild when you are, you know, in this case, they're, they're going to both be turning 34 in the upcoming year, you know, and especially Kane probably has, you know, a longer leash. I would say, you know, you asked me off the top of the show how long I think he's got. I think he's got five good years at least left in him. I really do. I think the way the way he attacks the offseason, the way he keeps himself in shape, uh, the style of game he plays is not overly taxing. I, I, I think he could play right up until, you know, his late 30s if not 40 Taves on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, he says his best hockey is, has, is still yet to come. Um, I certainly hope that that's the case, but you know, by the body of work, it does, it that doesn't necessarily match up to what we're seeing right now. So I think that's probably the biggest question that Davidson has in this off season is talking to those two cornerstones, Brian, and figuring out, what their appetite and what their uh, their thoughts are on a rebuild. Yeah, not only you know wanting to stick around, but at what price? And again, you know, God bless Jonathan Taves. I'm with you. It's it's a great sentiment, and I want him thinking that that his best hockey's in front of him. But given his resume, that's impossible to believe. And given the last few years, and he talked about it with the frustration last week between injury and everything else he's dealt with. Um, it's just he he. He's not the same player when you, you know, if you put him on the trade market before a contract year, right? Kane, Kane's the guy you get the Kings ransom for. Jonathan Taves is a winner and a leader, and those things certainly have merit, and, and teams will want that. 
but it, it what will they be offering to get Jonathan Taves in the you know likely final contract of his career and what was that look like you know you want all those intangibles and, and there's a guy who actually wins faceoffs you'd like all that coming to a championship caliber team but you know the days of max contracts and and max assets coming the other way for the Hawks I don't think that's the case with Jonathan Taves the latest on the trade rumor mill with Frank Siravalli from the daily Faceoff. he joins us next it's the hockey show on ESPN 1000 you're listening to the Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Pleased to uh, welcome in our guest, Frank Ciravalli. He's the hockey insider for the Daily Faceoff, the co host of the Daily Faceoff podcast, and uh, he's been breaking. <laughs> Blackhawk stories left and right the last few months. Uh, Frank, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Before we get into the trade rumor discussion, let's start with the story that you broke uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Davidson becoming the Hawks' 10th general manager. What did you think of the Blackhawks' process uh, coming to Davidson and ultimately landing on Kyle? I think it was a really interesting process to watch unfold from afar. I think – they were really intrigued by some of the other different people that they spoke to along the way. I think when you look at Jeff Greenberg and, and the job that he's done with the Chicago Cubs, really making the Hawks think long and hard as a finalist. Um, you know, I just think that they, they went through the process and ultimately going in, they were already really comfortable with Kyle Davidson because, you know, it's interesting to have a younger guy that's come through the ranks that, you know, has learned almost every facet of your organization and your front office and the way that it works to then see how he reacts when he gets an opportunity to be in the big chair. How does he manage up? How does he include his bosses? How does he work with the scouts? They had an inside peek at that for four months, five months, and liked what they saw. And I think that comfort goes a long way in terms of you know, having that knowledge and familiarity, the devil you know as opposed to the devil you don't. And, um, you know, I think ultimately the way that Kyle Davidson presented himself and, um, you know, really won over the Hawks and their their upper echelon of their organization, you know, spoke volumes about their decision process to then ultimately go with him to lead this team forward. And I thought it was, you know, frankly fascinating to hear right away his vision for the team and his opening press conference saying, we're going to be rebuilding, you know, to make a definitive statement. I think it's so important to have identity, to have someone that knows exactly what they're looking for with their vision. Don't mince words. You know, the fan base is too sharp in Chicago. They've experienced too much success and thrills of and celebrations and parades. Tell them how you're going to get there and then go out and do it. Don't say, well, we're going to try and be competitive here or quickly do this or do that. There's nothing quick to get to success. The Hawks know that from their three Stanley Cups. Now they got to you know, work to get back to that level. You know, Frank, I've asked other people this, and, and maybe with your knowledge you could uh, educate us a bit. You know, fans can look at the general manager and say, okay, he's a good general manager. He's bad. I mean, his name is attached to every move, right? When I look at the Blackhawks front office, can you tell me how it stacks up, uh, you know, relative to the best teams in the league in terms of, 
resources available, staff. Um, does Kyle need to add to that? Will you know? Do they have to bring that up to 2022 standards? Uh, we've already seen them launch two longtime scouts, so the changes are already uh, uh, ongoing. Yeah, and I think in terms of resources, they're right there at the very top in terms of what's provided to them. That you know anything they ask for, budgetary wise, spending things like that. That's all a given that the Hawks are willing and, and prepared from the business end to provide everything that they need. There are holes to fill. You know, right now, you know, the staff is somewhat small, but, you know, they were also coming at it uh, from, you know, coming out of that investigation with some other people that had departed the organization. Um, there's some work to be done, but the Hawks have always had one of the larger you know, off-ice staffs in terms of the league compared to lots of others. So um, I don't think there's any question about the resources that are available and, and to go about filling out the rest of that front office. Like, you know, we saw this week Norm McIver brought in as their associate GM. There's probably going to be another assistant GM hiring. You know, Brian Campbell at some point will have a formal title attached to his role that he's been, you know, working very closely with Kyle Davidson as an advisor. You know, what way can they I inject some diversity into the group? You've seen it um, at the scouting level with a guy like Rod Braceful on the amateur side, um, but also, you know, females. Megan Hunter has a significant voice in that group. You know, will she be elevated to a different position? These are all important considerations and, and some that, given the way they approach the hiring process, that clearly that's a priority for the team as well. Frank Cervalli joins us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Uh, you mentioned bringing back Norm McIver. Were you surprised that, that, uh, that Norm is back in the full with the Blackhawks? Not surprised because him and Kyle Davidson were very close uh, during, you know, basically Davidson working his way up through the organization. It was someone that, in Norm McIver that he relied on heavily, um, really as kind of a mentor, uh, someone that helped show him the ropes. And in a lot of ways, Norm McIver was pushed out a little bit by Stan Bowman and the previous regime towards the end. You saw the demotion and title taken away, the assistant GM title. Uh, he became vice president of player personnel. And then he departed the organization shortly after going to Seattle with uh, Ron Francis, who we played with in two different stops in the NHL. And I think when Kyle Davidson first took over, that was like one of the first things that I had written down, like, hey, this relationship with Norm McIver is going to be really important. My, my bet is that he's going to go out and try and get him. And, you know, he ends up leaving Seattle this week to take this job as the associate GM, which is a step up in title from, uh, from what he previously had as assistant GM with the Hawks. But He's going to play a significant role, not just in overseeing all of their scouting operations, but in terms of something like hiring their next permanent head coach. Um, that's going to be a, a big thing on Norm McIver's list as we get through these next couple months and the end of the season. There was some talk, Frank, that because of the whole off-the-ice uh, scandal and reports and everything, that they might have lost out on some potential GM candidates who didn't really – want to jump into an organization that was trying to put, you know, put itself back together. Does that hold for the coaching situation or is that, that all done, you know, in the rearview mirror for everybody? 
Yeah, I, I don't think it impacts the coaching search. I don't think it impacted the GM search. Um, you know, I, I think people understand the words family at the top and and realize um, their commitment to winning, realizing their commitment to, um, you know, to treating people well. And I think what played out, um, you know, obviously was unfortunate, not just for Kyle Beach, but really for so many other people in the organization that are good people that aren't, you know, having to, um, to answer for those questions and things that they had really nothing to do with at the time. It's a small group of people that are now no longer associated. And I think the, um, the way that that permeated through was, you know, it's alarming, it's shocking, it's all those things. But the organization has moved on from that and, and frankly should keep it in mind uh, in terms of where they're heading from here. Uh, it's not something that can be forgotten or washed over, but in terms of moving forward, you know, this is the tougher part is going to be with the roster and rebuilding. You're going to want to have a special coach in there that can help develop your players, has time for and patience for the mistakes that inevitably will be made along the way. And that's going to be the bigger hindrance than I think whatever happened previously with uh, with the scandal and the fallout from Kyle Beach and Brad Aldrich. Let's get to the uh, the trade conversation. Marc-Andre Fleury is clearly their biggest trade chip. Uh, Kyle Davidson said he's going to honor the previous regime's agreement with Flower. It, it's his call to be moved. Uh, the way you look at this, Frank, I mean, Davidson has to honor this request, right? Because he's a brand-new GM, and, and he doesn't want to tarnish his reputation out of the gates. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, look, it, it was going to be honored regardless whether, you know, that was the plan throughout, you know, his interim tenure as well. I think he had made that clear. And it's really just comes down to the overall organization's reputation. That was a big part of their commitment to Marc-Andre Fleury when they made the trade. And he went through this sort of period where he was waffling. Should I continue my career? Should I retire? And they basically said, bring your family along. It's a big decision to move Vegas. He thought was really going to be his forever home, wanted to settle down and, and retire there most likely. And so to, to uproot his family again, and then move them to Chicago was a significant consideration. And he wanted the commitment from the Blackhawks that should this season not go, you know, and really go, frankly, the way it has, you think back to all the moves that were made last offseason, this Blackhawks team was built to be, you know, in playoff contention, all the changes that they made, Seth Jones, Flurry, go down the list. It hasn't worked out. And now they're in a position where they're going to try and, you know, move Marc-Andre Fleury to another spot, hopefully for something of value in return, but also to a place that he wants to go and chase the Stanley Cup. So it's not an easy spot to be in in terms of you may be dealing with limited uh, capabilities or opportunities in terms of where he's traded. But there's certainly going to be a market, I would think, because of the injuries that we've seen of late, Jack Campbell going down in Toronto, Robin Leonard uh, back in Vegas, um, and teams that are suffering in the standings because of their goaltending. Sometimes I think the sport and it shouldn't be called hockey. It should just be called goalie because you can't <laughs> win if you don't have one. So is Canada definitely off the uh, table when it comes to the flower? I don't think so. I, not totally off. I think it's a case-by-case consideration, and my guess is given the, the teams that are looking for goalies, Marc-Andre Fleury has made a list or is making a list 
in order of preference. Where does that cut off between yes and no? I don't know. Um, only he would and, and his agent. And I think they're still in the process of figuring that out. But I don't think it's a blanket yes or no, or a blanket no, I should say, on all of the Canadian teams. Frank Cervalli joins us. He's from the Daily Faceoff. He's been all over the Blackhawks breaking stories left and right in, uh, in recent months. Uh, back to Flower for a second. You know, we, we talked to him about uh, two or three weeks ago and kind of really, for the first time, got his take on, on where he stands on being traded. He mentioned in that press conference winning at least two or three times. Um, he mm-hmm. clearly wants to be on a team that is competitive. So I don't see him re-signing with the Blackhawks next season. So wherever he goes, if, if the stars align and, and he's enticed to, to go make a run at a fourth cup, um, it's got to be a team that is firmly in the playoffs, set to make a, a legit run. And I think it, it would also be a place that he'd like to re-sign with. I, I don't think, like you said, he wants to be going Vegas, Chicago, pick your next city. And, and we, there's been talk that he's inevitably going to end up back in Pittsburgh somehow. Um, do you think there will be that landing spot for him? It could, could Colorado be a team that, that uh, puts a package together and, and he goes to the Avalanche, uh, you know, a team that is built to win and, uh, and also has an opportunity to knock off maybe that Vegas team that he left on not such great terms? Uh, well, I think that would be part of it, right? Like that would be the sort of fairy tale ending for, you know, Colorado knocking off Vegas after the way that, you know, he was traded and the circumstances went down after being the face of the franchise and after being told directly from the owner that you're going to retire here. Like, that hurt. Um, clearly it hurt for a while. I just don't see the opportunity in Colorado this year. Maybe Joe Sackick, their GM, views the goaltending differently than others. But Darcy Kemper and, and Pavel Fransuz really haven't created an opening. The only way would be as if they're just not convinced they can stay healthy. The problem is there's been one stretch this year where they both were out, the two guys in Colorado, at the same time. And that maybe sort of gave Joe Sackick some flashbacks to the bubble a couple years ago in Edmonton when basically their goaltending, their wheels just fell off because both their guys were hurt. But I, I could see it as an opportunity for next year. I just don't see it in the short term now and and next year you know Darcy Kemper is an unrestricted free agent like you know who knows how their playoff run goes maybe Marc-Andre Fleury makes sense to sign there as a as a free agent I personally don't see the Pittsburgh option as well now or later a lot of people seem to talk about that and think about it for me I think it's a been there done that you know that team's probably heading in a different direction at some point maybe you could help them milk out one more run at the Stanley cup. But for me, um, you know, it's going to be wide open after this year. And there's so many goalies that change spots every summer. You know, it's the game of goaltending musical chairs. There's, you know, 15 to 20 guys that are shuffling between teams that there's going to be opening somewhere. And there's probably going to be an opening on a playoff team or one that's knocking on the door to give him that competitive, juice and and challenge that he's looking for you have to appreciate brandon hagel's sense of humor when 
He asked about being traded. He said, "Yeah, I'll probably get you'll probably get a couple of first round picks in McDavid if you, you know, if I go to Colorado." Um, he is on. He's actually ahead of Mark Andre Fleury on your list of top forty trade targets. Can you handicap whether he'll be wearing a different uniform after the twenty first? And and the second part of that question is, Kyle Davidson said anyone who doesn't have a no movement clause is open for discussion on the table. And Pat thinks I'm trying to run to Brinkett out of town, but. Is there a blockbuster deal out there to be made uh, for Kyle Davidson if someone picks up the phone and says, you know, gives you the mortgages their, you know, their their future for uh, uh, Debrinket? Well, I think, and I've talked about this previously, uh, you know, in my reporting and in, on the podcast. Like I've been saying for months that Alex Debrinket in the right transaction is available. Like I, I think the list of guys from Chicago that. Um, you know, may not be on the move is really small. I think it's like something like Kirby Doc, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Seth Jones. That's it. So Alex Debrinkit is included in that group. I don't see something materializing between now and March 21st. I think if it does, it's going to be an off-season transaction. And with regards to Hagel, I think there's actually a pretty decent shot that he ends up being on the move. And I know that surprises people. I know, you know, Derek King sort of said, you know, he better not be. And I, I get all that. Um, but the, how productive he's been, the value on his contract, the versatility that he has, a little bit of edge that he brings, he gets in there and scraps a little bit. He is the ideal deadline addition for a team that could use a player like him stylistically, but also on the cap teams that are really cap crunched to have two more years of Brandon Hagel at one five is such a bargain. And it's, it's frankly of more value to other teams than it is a Chicago team that we know is entering a rebuild. So um, I know people have said, why would you trade a 23 year old piece for a team that's rebuilding? You know, the answer, I just gave it. He's he's more valuable elsewhere than he is to your team, which says a lot because he's been pretty damn valuable as it is. When you look at Dylan Strom, he definitely produces when he plays with skilled players like Kane and DeBrinket. Um, he just turned 25 this week. He's been a point-per-game guy now the last uh, two months, last 23 games, something like that. When deciding his future, does Davidson almost have to figure out if Kane is here for the long haul? Like, like you know, Strom works in, in this, this perfect scenario with these skilled players, but, you know, he can't play with everybody. So what, what's the market like for him, and what do you think that decision that Davidson is making about Strom's future here in Chicago? I think the emotion has to be taken out of it, just in the sense that, like, People have really been clamoring or and maybe it's not emotion. It's more recency bias. People have been, how could you possibly trade Strom at this point? And, you know, Chicago is incredibly lucky, even going back to Stan Bowman, that they didn't trade him in October because it would have been at his absolute lowest value. And, and they were pretty darn close. They had worked really hard in October, even just going back to opening night when he was a healthy scratch to try and find a new home for him anywhere. They almost gave him away for relatively nothing. I think the benefit is for Chicago that he's played so well, um, that his trade value has increased, that it's really just made that same decision a little bit easier because you need players 
especially if this team gets to where it wants to get to, you need someone that has the versatility that can play with anyone and continue to be productive. It can't just be, well, I'm only productive when I'm playing with Patrick Kane. The flip side is maybe teams have recognized that and and that makes it a little bit more difficult to make a trade. But in this case, I don't know that, you know, anything has really changed other than the fact that his value has increased and ultimately for someone that's 25 that will need to be paid, all those different things that come up that, you know, it still makes sense for Chicago to move on. Frank, last one from me. Uh, are you hearing anything about Kane and Taves and, and their appetite for this uh, this rebuild under Kyle Davidson and whether they would actually re-sign with the Blackhawks when their deals are up at the end of next season? I'm not. I, I think it's something that is a conversation that will need to be had sooner rather than later, probably something post-deadline. Um, but I can tell you that the respect factor is there, that – even before Kyle Davidson addressed the media um, and, and the news became public that, you know, he sort of, you know, took a, took aside the top stars on the Chicago Blackhawks before his press conference and said, Hey, I'm letting you know ahead of time that I'm announcing that we're going to be rebuilding, that this is going to be a bit of a process. And I just want you guys to be comfortable to, to let you know ahead of time, you know, we can have a a larger discussion and conversation at some point, but I didn't want there to be any surprises. And I think something like that goes a long way. I think that's a conversation, like I said, sometime after the trade deadline, maybe sometime in the summer that some ground rules will need to be set that, um, you know, it'll be up to these guys to decide. And Kane has sort of, it feels like given his answer already with, you know, him saying that he wants to, continue to stick around and I think that's good for the Blackhawks because Patrick Kane in my opinion could be a really productive player in this league at the age of 40 that there's still a lot of uh, a lot of spring in his step a lot of runway left even though it feels like at times this season you know you could see his interest waning a little bit that perhaps some of this gives him a little bit of a shot in the arm that even if there's going to be a few more tough years here that you know, to, to have him be part of it on the other end of it would probably feel pretty good. Frank Cervalli, keep up the great work with the Daily Faceoff. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Frank. We're back to wrap up the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 after this. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Back on the Hockey Show, thanks to our sponsor, Bettenhausen CDJR at Tinley Park. Thanks to our producer, Tyler Aki. Our guest, Frank Cervalli from the Daily Faceoff. I thought it was interesting, Brian. He thought that uh, Brandon Hagel might be on the move. Yeah, he has him uh, the top Hawk uh, of the four that he has in his top 40. The Hawks have 10% of his top 40, but uh, Brandon Hagel right in front of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury at six. Brandon Hagel at four overall. You're going to make me cry on that pregame and postgame show if they start dealing all these guys. I hear you. Uh, I hear you, our, Patrick. Our, 
our poll question on ESPN 1000, how many players will the Blackhawks trade before the March 21st deadline? 68% of you said zero to three. 19% said four to seven. So thank you for helping us out. Up next, it's uh, Peggy and Dion. But Brian, you're in for Dion. I am. Dion's on our way to spring training. Lucky Dion. Fantastic. And then uh, at 1 o'clock, it's the debut of Fast Break with Bleck and Jay Hood. And tomorrow at 10 a.m., it's you and Tyler Aki. Little little college hoops talk. Hoops you, and why not? Selection Sunday, we got plenty of, boy, you know, the Illini got an early exit, but, uh, you know, they're, they're going to rest up, according to Brad Underwood, and, and be better for it. We'll see. But, yeah, lots to talk about tomorrow, 10 to noon, with the, the hockey, with the basketball guru, Tyler Aki. All right, looking forward to that. But up next, it's Peggy and Dion. Brian in for Dion. That's going to do it for the hockey show. Hawks and Senators tonight, 5.30 pregame on NBC Sports Chicago. That'll do it for the hockey show. For Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle. We'll see you next week.